Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Wow. Praise the Lord. Are you thankful? I hope so. I hope so. What an incredible season we are in. And uh, thank you, choir and Allison and uh, Connie. Thank you guys so much, musicians, for leading us in worship. This morning, it's interesting, the song choices this morning, I like how God kind of pulls things together, uh, and He does that every week, by the way, which is awesome. Um, it is because of, uh, and only possible when that happens, uh, through the Holy Spirit, and uh, we've talked about that uh, even this morning, uh, even what was said about Minister and sing as the Holy Spirit leads you. And you may find yourself in in here this morning, and I've been there before, so no guilt if this is you. Uh, and if we were to put kind of look at your spiritual gauge, your your car has a has a gas tank gauge on it, and we'll say if it's full or half full or empty, if you had a spiritual gauge on you this morning, and God can see this, by the way, I can't. But there's some of us in here, if we were honest, we would say our gauge is on E. Or maybe you coasted into the parking lot spiritually on fumes. It's okay, I'm glad you're here. I've been there. Uh, Maybe you're half full. But God's desire for us, church family, is to live on full all the time. And what happens when we live on full is... We're able to do what God tells us we're supposed to do. If you struggle living the Christian life, and I do sometimes, nine times out of ten, the struggle is not because God has asked me to do the impossible. The struggle is because I'm trying to do what God has asked me to do in and of my own strength and power. It's impossible to do it. Which is why Jesus said some very important words to us, and we've been looking at it in John chapter 14, if you want to turn there this morning. And uh, I am probably going to do what I would call this morning more teaching than preaching. And what I want us to talk about this morning uh, is what Jesus said to us. We looked at it last week. He talked about the Holy Spirit. And for a lot of us, I'll be honest, well into my Christian journey did I actually understand. Unfortunately, it was well into my Christian journey. Did I finally understand why the Holy Spirit which is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a He. It is the third person of the Trinity. It is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It was not well into my walk with Jesus when I finally understood why the Holy Spirit is so important and what impact the Holy Spirit makes on us and what happens sometimes, I would say most times, unfortunately, when Christians, generally speaking, across the globe live oblivious to the Holy Spirit. 
I hope this does not describe you, but I know many people who were genuinely moved to salvation. The Holy Spirit, by the way, reveals to you that you're a sinner. You don't decide all of a sudden the light bulb doesn't. I know we sometimes say in our testimony, the light bulb popped on and I realized I was a sinner. Jesus turned the light bulb on for you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because He loves you, He helped you come to the realization that you were a sinner. And so the Holy Spirit is very important to us. And, but a, a lot of people that I know who are Christians, they understand that part that at the altar or wherever you were, I was at Anderson College in a seat in an auditorium over there where I finally surrendered my life to Jesus. I can take, take you to the exact seat. It's still there. Where the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. A lot of us, we come to faith in Jesus, but then after that experience, we kind of say, okay, God, I got it from here. And we walk away from that experience trying to live the Christian life within our own power. And I will just tell you, church family, it is impossible to do it. Impossible. Which is why Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. How can you keep his commandments? He's about to tell you how you can. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and He will be in you. So I want to share with us a little bit this morning and talk about what Jesus is saying here because a lot of our world lives in what I would call spiritual poverty. If you ever have the chance, I know some of you have with our church family and some of you have done this on your own. Maybe you've gone to a third world country and you see people living in poverty. You see people eating out of the garbage dumps and you see people who are maybe kids who are running around who have no clothes on. And we would say that's poverty, right? We've seen it. We've seen images. We have people even in our own country who live in poverty. Physical poverty, material poverty is one thing. But spiritual poverty really is what Jesus is trying to help the disciples understand here. And he's trying to get them to really consider when we are oblivious to the Holy Spirit who he's saying, I'm going to send to you. If you're oblivious to the Holy Spirit, you will live your life in spiritual poverty. I happen to believe That the reason the church, Big C, has lost a lot of its power throughout the world is because a lot of us, myself included, sometimes flip off the switch and turn off the Holy Spirit and we turn on Jack Eason. And I try to live the Christian life in my own power and do the things that God's called me to do in my own power. I cannot do it. And if I do that long enough, and maybe you've been in this in your own life or experienced this, if I do this long enough, I get so frustrated because I can't do what God's called me to do outside the Holy Spirit that I give up or I quit or I walk away from the church. And I believe there are a lot of of people who really got saved. Jesus really came into their life. The Holy Spirit came into their life. But because all of a sudden they forgot the Holy Spirit and started to try to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit... (laughs) which is an impossible thing. They got frustrated, and they're like, if this is following Jesus, I give up. Well, it's not following Jesus. Because you can't follow Jesus without the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God within you. It's impossible to do. 
Matter of fact, if you flip over to John 16, Jesus keeps talking throughout these last few chapters of John before he begins to walk to the cross. It's a lot of it. If you have a study Bible, a lot of it's in red because this is Jesus talking. You get over to John chapter 16 and he continues to talk about the Holy Spirit. He says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, if you wonder what the Holy Spirit does, here's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. He's getting ready to tell you. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Here's a question for you, church family. Here's a question for me. If you sin, if you do things that you know are wrong, that the Bible tells you are wrong, that God says are wrong, if you sin and you as a person sin and you feel no conviction, that should cause you to take a very quick inventory of your life. Because if you sin and you habitually sin and you feel no conviction in your heart, that means, you may not like what I'm getting ready to say here, I don't like it sometimes either, but that means the Holy Spirit is absent from you. Because the Word just tells us, tells us and tells us that part of the Holy Spirit's job is to convict of sin. So if you and I do things on and on and on and we feel no conviction, that should be the light bulb should go and we should go, wait a minute, do I really know Jesus? Am I really saved? Is the Holy Spirit really living within me? Or have I just joined a church and put my name on a card? And I'll be honest, you've heard my testimony before. Some of you haven't. I'll share it real quickly, just a couple sentences. When I was nine, I walked the aisle at my church. Thousands of people came by. Grandmothers came by and squeezed me on the cheeks and said, Well done, sonny boy. I loved it. They gave me gifts. They slipped me fives and tens. That was even better because I just thought, Wow, this is great. They're loving on me. Praise the Lord. I got dunked, filled out the card. My name was on the roll. If I'd have died the next year, I'd have gone to hell. I did all the external things, but the Holy Spirit didn't come into my life until I went to a youth event and I was sitting in an auditorium at Anderson College then. And the Holy Spirit revealed to me, I didn't all of a sudden come up with it myself, but the Holy Spirit revealed to me, you went through all the external things to look like you got saved, but the Holy Spirit of God never came into your life. You made a decision... And you got up and walked out, and you were the same as you were when you came into the building. And if we have encountered the Holy Spirit, Jesus is getting ready to tell the disciples there will be some things that are obvious to us. We're going to talk about those a little bit this morning. And I don't know about you, but as I hear what Jesus is saying here, and I think about the poverty of our world spiritually, I don't have to tell you, just read the news or don't. Watch the news channels or don't you'll know that our world is spiritually poverty-stricken. There's a lot of things that are evidence of that. And you may ask the question, as I have been asking over the last few weeks, is how do we get out of that? How do we escape spiritual poverty? I want to give you three things this morning very quickly that we've talked about briefly, briefly in the past, but I want to go a little bit deeper this morning in light of what Jesus is sharing with his disciples about the Holy Spirit. We escape spiritual poverty by a couple of things, three things. Not grieving the Holy Spirit, not quenching the Holy Spirit, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand when I say those things, some of us know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of us don't. That's okay. You may have heard those words. I heard those words growing up. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. 
I'm like, what in the world does that mean? Well, I want to talk about that this morning. I want to look at each one. Paul says it this way. If you remember when we went through the book of Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If you're a parent, grandparent, maybe aunt, uncle, maybe you watch kids, maybe you're a guardian, teacher, it's interesting that we tell our children what to do sometimes. And they obey 100% of the time. We know they don't. We know they don't. But when they don't obey, we don't like throw them out of the family. What happens? Our hearts suffer, our hearts break, our hearts grieve because we know that they're missing the mark and we know that whatever it is that they're doing is going to harm them and it's going to sow seeds that are going to reap destructive consequences in their lives later. That's why we grieve. That's why we hurt. Everyone in here has experienced grieving in some capacity. And so when, we, when that happens, when our, our kids do that and they grieve us or they, or they sin or they fall, we don't, we don't kick them out of the house. We try to, through our guidance and through our convicting, my dad had a great conviction. It was called B-E-L-T. And that seemed to do a lot of great convicting for me. So we try to help our kids in the same way our Heavenly Father tries to help us because He knows what is best for us. So when we grieve the Holy Spirit, what does grieving mean? Let me give you a couple of definitions. Here's the first one. To hurt or sadden a loved one. To hurt or sadden a loved one. In this case, God the Father is our loved one. And when we grieve him, we sadden him, we, we hurt him. We also do it when we say yes to sin. Don't raise your hand. But maybe this week something's come across your path, some temptation, some trial, something that could get your attention to go in that direction. And when we do that, when we start to move in the direction of sin and say yes to sin, that grieves the Holy Spirit of God. It grieves the Spirit. It hurts Him. And there's only a couple ways that we can be deterred, be detoured, be turned away from grieving the Holy Spirit. The first one is we don't have to give in to our flesh. That is the reality. But when we do give in sometimes, the, the thing that we should immediately do is we should confess our sins to God. First John 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For some of us, the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. Maybe you find yourself in here this morning and you're here seemingly, you think, with more baggage than anybody else in the room. I just want to tell you, if, if we rolled my baggage out here, spiritually speaking, of, of sin that's been in my life since I was born, we'd need more than one suitcase. The great thing is, because God, as we heard sung about, because of the blood of Jesus, God the Father sees me as Holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Not because of my goodness, but because of the goodness of God that we sung about. Hello, is that amazing to you? Aren't you glad? God doesn't look at me with all my filthiness 
If I've confessed my sins, he sees me as holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. It's an amazing thing. And so that's why he wants us to confess our sins. Paul gives us a list of some of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit back in the book of Ephesians. If you want to flip there, you can do that. Ephesians chapter 4, I just want to mention these because sometimes if you're like me, I go, okay, well, how in the world would I grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, he gives us a laundry list of things. And he finishes with the verse that I already read to us, which is, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And here's some of the things that he mentions that maybe this morning you and I can kind of ask ourselves a question about and take a spiritual inventory. Here's the first one. Negative speech. These won't be on the screen. You can jot these down. I left you a lot of room on your bulletin this morning if you want to use that space. By the way, if you need more paper... Like me, I might need more than one sheet this morning to write down some of these things you can. The first one, negative speech, he says it this way. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs so it may benefit the one who listens. Ephesians 4.29. So negative speech. So I wrote down my question for me. Because I take these spiritual inventories along with you, by the way. Does what I say build up other people or tear other people down? Are the things that I've said this week things that build people up or tear people down? When I was in junior high school, I think we, we used to cut each other down and try to one-up each other and cut each other down. And if we ever wanted to like drop the mic where we really had given the, just the best really cut down to our friend, we would say this, Yo mama. Some of you remember that? I mean, we could be talking about whatever. As long as you threw that into the line, your mama, I mean, it was like, whoa, don't mess with him. He just, he just really put the best cut down he could drop. Your mama. Your mama. So how about you and I? How are we doing with our negative speech? He, he mentions this also in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, after he says, don't grieve the spirit, let all bitterness, wrath, anger... Clamor, slander be put away from you, along with all malice. He's talking, what is he talking about there? He's talking about uncontrolled emotions. It's, there's nothing wrong with having emotions. We all have emotions. God's made us to be emotional creatures, emotional people. That's great. But when those emotions take control of us, that's where we slide into grieving the Holy Spirit. And my question I wrote down for me, am I uncontrolled in any emotional area? Is there any way where I've come unglued? Maybe you, like me, have taken a couple trips down Woodruff Road this week, and all of a sudden the blood pressure starts boiling, and all of a sudden the the speedometer starts going fast, and you feel like you're uh, driving Mario Kart, and you're playing a video game. You want to bump people out of the way. If your emotions get uncontrolled, at that point you start, according to Scripture, You and I start grieving the Holy Spirit. He says this also in Ephesians 4. He talks about lying. He says, therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbors, for we are members of one another. And it's been said about uh, half-truths being full lies, and that's very, very, very true. Uh, I think about lying. I wanted to to read this uh, report to you. You may have heard this. I don't know if you've seen this. I get a crazy emails like you do. I got this uh, email a couple weeks ago from the World Net Daily News. And here's what it said. 
The average person tells four lies a day or 1,460 lies a year for a total of 88,000 lies by the age of 60. Raise your hand if you... No, don't do that. And it went on to describe what are some of the most common lies. So some of you may be thinking, well, that's not me. I don't lie. Here are some of the most common lies. Okay, are you ready for this? And here's the first one. You know it. I'm fine. I know it's weird to be honest because, you know, it's, if you don't, you're not really close to somebody or a stranger, you're not going to, if they say, how you're doing, you're probably not going to say, well, my kids are rebellious. You know, I'm back on my, I owe my mortgage. I've got this rash I'm dealing with. You're probably not going to go into all those descriptions, right? Here, here's, another, here's another one. Uh, nice to see you. Some of you must have told these. I'm hearing some, ch- okay. Sorry I missed your call. This tastes delicious. Your hair looks great. Here's one that we say in the church a lot. And this is not the topic of today's sermon, but I was just kind of thinking about other ones that we tell in the church. I can't afford to give right now. We have to be careful. I have to be careful. Because I can read that about lying and go, God, I, lying? I don't, Lord, I don't lie. But the truth of the matter is, we all stretch the truth a little bit sometimes. And when we do that, according to Scripture, we grieve the Holy Spirit. A couple more real quick. If you're making a list, this is number four. I've got six real quick. These won't be on the screen. Number four, falling for deception. Paul says it this way in the next chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. So, how do we fight deception? We fight deception with truth. It's important because that's why Jesus said, I'm going to send a helper to you. It's the spirit of truth that I'm going to send to you. The world won't be able to receive this, but you'll be able to receive the spirit of truth. And you need the spirit of truth because the world is going to be a deceptive place, which is why you need to know the truth. And that's why the Holy Spirit is so important. And when you and I tune into deception, or we turn away from the things that are right and start to believe the things that are wrong, then the spirit of truth is grieved within us. Number five, stealing. Let him who stole steal no longer, Paul said, but rather him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Ephesians 4, 28. He's not just talking about stealing like robbing a bank. Most of us in here probably would not do that. He might be talking about stealing like stealing another person's answers off of a test. Ooh, I can't believe the pastor went there. He might be talking about not being exactly truthful on a government document. He might be talking about stealing from God by not giving to God what already belongs to him. We tend to pigeonhole some of these words into what we think North American 2022 terminology is. And the Bible is a little bit broader on some of these things. And Paul is telling us that when we do these things, we grieve the Holy Spirit. The last one is this, also in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And if you missed it a couple years ago, I think Paul might can find the audio, but we had a series of Sunday nights where we had hot topics, and one of those hot topics that we talked about was drinking. And if you want to know what I think about it, you can order the audio or video for a $250 gift to the building fund. <laughs> no, we'll get that for you. But he talks about, don't be drunk on wine, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is that about? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we are doing those things that we know are wrong. And how do we change that? How do we walk away from that? Well, we confess our sin. That's not a popular thing, church family, in today's world, even in the church, to confess our sin. The Bible even says, confess your sin one to another. Ooh. I think the reason the Bible says that is because if we actually did that, which we talked about a couple weeks ago when we had a foot washing, that if we actually did the things that the Bible tells us to do, we probably would be better people. Because if you and I confessed our sins to each other, I don't know about you, but I know what would happen for me is I would quickly realize we have a lot in common. And I would quickly realize that I should not be putting people on a pedestal because we have a lot in common. I would quickly realize that I need the blood of Jesus that we sung about because I am a sinner who needs to be cleansed by Jesus. We also have to resist those temptations to give in to the flesh. So that's what he's talking about when he talks about grieving. When Paul talks about grieving, and that's why the Holy Spirit's important. That's why Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you to help you, to convict you, to help you walk in truth, to help you to know what to do, to comfort you, to be your helper. But if you grieve the Holy Spirit, you will miss out on all those benefits. And likewise, if you quench the Spirit, you will miss out on what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you. And what does quenching the Spirit mean? What does quench mean? Quenching is really doing, doing something or, or not doing something that we know is right. I think I may have shared this story with you before. I had a friend of mine who was a, a pastor, teacher, and evangelist, and he was sitting in a movie theater, and uh, he was sitting there, and as he was getting ready for the movie to start, this was old school movie theater, uh, they were showing kind of the previews and the film kind of snapped and all of a sudden you could see it kind of on the light on the screen and he felt like the Holy Spirit said to him here's what I want you to do I want you to get up I want that this would be more grieving I want you to get up I want you to walk down to the front of the theater I want you to tell everybody that you know the Lord Jesus Christ and if they're struggling and they need to have a relationship with Jesus they can see you right after the movie is over I don't know if that's ever happened in a movie theater before or not or what you would do but he did what I would do. He said, I just reached a hold of the seat and I grabbed it even more firmly. And said, Lord, that's not me. That's not you speaking. It can't be. I'm not getting up. But just in case it's you, if the film starts again and it happens again and it breaks again, then I will get up and I will go down to the front. And he said, the previews got over and about one minute into the movie, he's thinking, okay, I'm safe. And then all of a sudden, he said, without hesitation, he's like, okay, Lord. He got up, came down to the front said, hello, my name's Foster. just want you to know I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, and he's changed my life. If you'd like to talk about him after the movie's over, I'll be standing in the back of the theater. And he went back and he sat down. That's obedience. When we don't do that, we grieve the Holy Spirit. What is quenching the Spirit? Quenching the Spirit is not 
doing that, which we know is right, that could in a sense be quenching too. And Paul talks about this to the church at Thessalonica. He says it this way, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Pretty simple. Don't quench the Spirit. So what does that mean? Here's a couple of definitions for you. To put out, to put a damper on. Like you quench your thirst if you're thirsty. We say, I quench my thirst. That's a positive maybe spin on it. Putting out a fire. Campfire. Putting out a spiritual fire. I don't know if you've ever been spiritually on fire. And you've had somebody try to quench the Holy Spirit or put your fire out. What's scary is most oftentimes that happens in the church, not in the world. I remember coming back from a summer camp where I was on fire for Jesus. And I was just so excited about Jesus. And we were worshiping. And we were in the corporate worship service with adults. It wasn't just teenagers. And I was wanting to lift my hands. And I was wanting to praise God and celebrate and get happy. And I got a few people looking at me like, that's not the proper way to worship. Now that I'm older, had I been wiser back then, I would have looked at them and said, how do you know what's the proper way to worship? Have you read your Bible? There's a lot of dancing in the Bible. There's a lot of shouting. There's a lot of clamoring. There's a lot of making noise in the Bible. Sure, there are times where we should be reverent and we should be quiet before the Lord. But we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. How do, we, how do we keep from quenching the Holy Spirit? Well, one way is we can get into this book. We can pray. We can read God's Word. We can find out what He tells us to do, what He tells us not to do. We can listen or tune in to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Making disciples who serve, shelter, and support the transforming work of Christ. How do you and I support the transforming work of Christ? One way is by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we know what that means. And if we know how to engage it. So there are a lot of ways that I believe that we as God's people quench the Holy Spirit. These won't be on the screen either if you want to jot these down. It's not the media team's fault. This is your pastor's fault for staying up late and watching a ball game that I thought was not even worth watching. Talk about being thankful. Talk about miracles happening. One happened last night. If you missed it, I hope you DVR'd it. Because I was watching uh, from right here in town, the event in Columbia, and I was going, Wow. Look at that miracle happening. It's amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Which means this, this, well, sorry, I'm getting into sports. This weekend will be even more interesting, won't it? It's going to be more interesting. We'll see what happens. Quenching the Holy Spirit. Here's one way we quench the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit when we rely decisively on any other resource other than the Holy Spirit to show us what to do. Let me say that again. We quench the Holy Spirit when we decisively rely on any other resource to tell us what to do. Let me give you some examples because we're good at this. I'm good at this with my North American mindset. If an opportunity comes for me to do something, what do I do? Oh, let's get out a piece of paper. Draw a line down the middle. Pros on this side, cons on this side. Whichever one has more on one side, that's what's probably I'm supposed to do. Not necessarily. Some of you are smiling because you think like I do, which is, that's a scary thought, by the way. When you and I, those things aren't necessarily bad, but when we decisively use those things, instead of the Holy Spirit of God, I'm just going to be honest with you, we're going to choose the wrong thing to do. 
Praise God that we as a church, some of the decisions we've made, as, as Joey referenced in our history moments over the last three years, if we had made those decisions decisively on what a sheet of paper said to do with pros and cons, or what financially is in the bank account, we would have not honored God. I don't know if that scares you or not, but that scares me. And I'm talking about a healthy scare, a healthy awe, a healthy fear to say, Jesus, please keep me tuned into your Holy Spirit. Because if I tune into man-made notions, though they might be helpful, if I put all my 100% trust decisively, rely on that as a resource other than the Holy Spirit, I am going to be in trouble. And some of you are old enough to know what I'm talking about because you've made decisions that way, and I have too. It wasn't too many months ago where a 29-year-old young man sat in my kitchen and has been through about five or six jobs over the last couple of few years of his life, has three kids, still hasn't figured out what he wants to do with his life, knocked on my door about, Lynette and I were home about nine o'clock and came and sat at the kitchen table, tears streaming down his face. And I'm thinking, how did you get here? And primarily, if he was here to explain it to you, he would tell you he did exactly what most of us do. Well, I took out a sheet of paper, and I looked at the pros and cons, and I made all these decisions, and now here I find myself right here, and I'm not even happy. Not that God's just about your happiness. He's more about your holiness than he is your happiness, by the way. It's another misconception in North America. We think Jesus died on the cross to make us happy. That's not why Jesus died on the cross. But if you and I rely on on anything more primary than the Holy Spirit to direct us, then we are quenching the Holy Spirit. Say, Pastor, does that apply to you? Absolutely, 100%. Any effort that myself or any of the pastoral ministry tries to do or tries to achieve or tries to attempt other than through the energy and the power of the Holy Spirit that works within me, as Paul said in Colossians, is man-made effort that is not going to matter to anything. So it's not just for you. Paul's not just saying this to you. John's not just writing this to you. He's writing this to me. So I wrote down for me, my notes, Jack, how are you making decisions? Are you relying on the Holy Spirit? There's another way we quench the Holy Spirit. We quench the Spirit whenever we diminish His personality and think of Him only as some weird source of divine energy. Got to be careful. There's a lot of that that you can actually pick up, by the way, on Christian television. Stick your finger into the socket of His anointing presence. And you'll be able to live for God. Some of you are chuckling. I'm I'm doing this to be funny, but here's what's scary. A lot of Christians buy into that and believe it. And they think, oh, if I'm feeling low or my fuel tank is low, I'll just run, plug into the Holy Spirit. You don't just plug into the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about how you're filled with the Holy Spirit in just a minute. The Holy Spirit is not like a genie in a bottle that you're running low on fuel and you'll go over and you rub the bottle and the genie comes out and you're like, whoo, all right, now I can go. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the way God works. But that's the way a lot of people who are in Christian ministry want you as the church to think the Holy Spirit works. 
Because then you can treat the Holy Spirit like you would a vending machine. And you can go up and you can put your money in, which is what a lot of TV preachers are doing. Put your money in the machine, hit whichever one you want. Boom. Oh, I need more. Ooh, boom, I need a boat. Ooh, boom, I need this. Now, does God desire to give His children gifts? Yes, the book of James tells us every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Yes, God desires to give us gifts. But I don't give my children every gift they ask for. Or I would have ridden to church this morning in a Lamborghini with one of them at the wheel. So we have to be careful. We can quench the Holy Spirit when we kind of treat the Holy Spirit as some inanimate object of divine energy. We also can quench the Holy Spirit when we forget that He actually gives us gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts. Paul goes through this a lot in the book of 1 Corinthians. The reason, church family, hear me please. The reason that you and I are important is not just that we're important to God, that's true. We are important because we're important to each other because you have gifts I don't have, I have gifts you don't have. And collectively, if we operate as the body of Christ, it is a powerful thing because all the gifts come together to enable us to do what God's called us to do. I was watching the game last night from the comfort of my living room. In the recliner. I was not on the field. The joy I felt watching the game was wonderful because I watched it happen. But I cannot imagine what the joy of the players were to see their score go up over 60 points. They were fanatic. They were going nuts. That's the same way it is for us using our spiritual gifts. There are some of you, just being honest this morning, you're up in the stands. Spiritually speaking, you're watching the rest of us, 20% doing 80% is a typical church percentage. Ours is a little bit better, I think. But you're up in the stands watching the rest of us play ball. Can I just lovingly say this to you? We cannot do this without you if you're supposed to be a part of this body of Christ called Crossroads. That's why you're here. That's why God has you here. That's why God has me here. For us to work together to accomplish His plan. How else do we quench the Spirit quickly? We quench the Holy Spirit sometimes when we rely on sanctimonious structure in our services that permit or prohibit, I should say, the leading of the Spirit. I thank God Crossroads is a Spirit-led Striving to be a spirit-led church. I thank God that Crossroads in our services, we strive to be spirit-led. I thank God that for three decades, there's been a worship pastor here who desires that our services be spirit-led. You don't know this probably, and the reason that you don't is because we don't have a bulletin. Some of you don't like that, I know. Sorry, get over it. One of the reasons I'm glad that we don't have a bulletin is oftentimes churches will say, here's our bulletin, God bless our bulletin, do what's on our bulletin, and if you show up, fantastic. If you don't, God, no worries, because we got our bulletin. We don't have a bulletin here. Now, we have a plan. Joey has a worship order. We have order to what we do. We're not trying to be so spontaneous that we're crazy and we haven't prepared. But I can dare say, as has happened over the last several months, if God all of a sudden shows up and we're supposed to do something, and I hope He shows up every week or we're wasting our time, by the way. But when He leads us through His Holy Spirit and speaks to us, there's been many times Joey says, let's just sing this song. It's not on our order. It's great, fantastic. He feels led to do it. There's been many times you guys stand up spontaneously to worship. Great. You have the freedom to do that. 
Now, if it gets out of hand, and there's, we don't have time this morning, but there's directions about how to worship that God tells us in His Word that should be orderly. Orderly does not mean without spontaneity. If the Holy Spirit's involved, He can be orderly and spontaneous, which is awesome. Last one. Sometimes we quench the Spirit when we suppress heartfelt emotions in worship. Maybe this is more for us as men sometimes than ladies. But I sometimes wonder how often churches, generally speaking, across our world have their corporate gatherings and the Spirit of God is quenched because we as men aren't allowing our emotions to come out. Emotions aren't bad. We're emotional people. So what, what's, what is John trying to say to us? Let's wrap up because we're running out of time. If, we're, if we are quenching the Holy Spirit, if we're grieving the Holy Spirit, if we're quenching the Holy Spirit, our way to not quench, because Paul says quench not the Holy Spirit, the way that we quench not the Holy Spirit is we get into our Bible, we pray, we fellowship, we listen for the, the Spirit of God to speak to us, but we have to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. And i got six phrases for you to go with each of those letters, because I like to remember things. So here they are. First one, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, forsake your sin. Being filled, I didn't know this until I was well into my Christian years, so if you don't know this, no guilt. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not optional. It is a command from God's Word. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit... For me, and I think based on the authority of God's Word, it is a daily thing that I have to do. Because life happens, and I lose my temper, and I grieve the Holy Spirit, and I quench the Holy Spirit. What do I do? I have to go back to the beginning and say, God, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Wipe away my unrighteousness. Cleanse me. And He does, because His Word promises He'll do that. And all of a sudden, at that point, when I say, God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit, I am filled up again. I am renewed within But to stay filled, I have to forsake my sin. I have to ask Christ to be the Lord of my life, to invite Him to be the Lord of my life in every day, in every moment, in every decision. Here's what I thought, church, unmistakably. And I grew up in a great church, by the way. No fault to the church I grew up in. I missed it. I either wasn't listening or didn't get in here, and I'm hard-headed, and I missed it. I thought, maybe Jesus is schizophrenic. Because I'll come down and receive him as Savior because I want to abor- ab- avoid the burning fires of hell. But I don't want to follow him as Lord. And Jesus is pretty clear, and we're going to get to it over these next couple of weeks as we look at Jesus and his walk to the cross. You can't ex- accept Jesus without accepting him fully as he is. He is Savior and Lord, not one or the other. And just being honest this morning, I believe personally... I hope I'm wrong, but based on 32 years of ministry, I believe I'm probably right. There are a lot of people who mistakenly came down to the altar and they were emotional and maybe emotional only. And maybe they cried. Nothing wrong with emotion. But maybe emotion got in the way of the Holy Spirit. And they cried and they thought they repented. And they said, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. And they got up from the front or wherever they were at that service or whenever it happened. And they walked out and they never said to Jesus, You are my ruler, you are my Lord, you are my master. 
I see a lot of Christians. You guys help me here. Hold me accountable. Hold me accountable. I see a lot of Christians and Christian leaders who have some of the worst attitudes and, and say things like, well, it's my right. I just want to remind us, if you're a child of God, you have no rights. You gave them up when you said you were going to follow Jesus, just so you know. Nobody may have ever told you that. Again, it was well into my 20s when somebody educated me about the authority of God's word. When I said, Jesus, you're my Lord, at that point, I gave away every right that I had. I have no more rights. So I've got to forsake my sin. I've got to let Christ be the Lord of my life. I've got to look to his commands and what he tells me to do. Lean on his promises. Stay connected with him in prayer. Express that desire in prayer. Make, decide every day to live by faith and not by my feelings. Jesus reveals it to us this way. John wrote it this way in John chapter 15. He says, when the advocate comes whom I'm going to send to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth will go out from the Father. He's going to testify about me. And he says, not only is he going to testify about me, but you also must testify about me. And you want to know one of the greatest ways you and I can testify about Jesus? By walking through life as a Christian who's filled with the Spirit and not running on empty. And over the last three years, just being honest, as you know I will be, it is easy, after what we've experienced the last two, couple, two, three years, for even us as believers to be running on empty. Here's some encouragement, I hope, for you today. Here's something you can be thankful for today. You don't have to run on empty. You don't have to run on empty. You can pull up, spiritually speaking, to the fuel pump, and you don't have to worry about how much it says on the tank, because you don't have to pay that because it's free as a believer. And here's the other thing. It's unlimited. It's unlimited. God's resource to fill you and I up is unlimited. So a couple of questions as we close. First of all, are you grieving the Holy Spirit? Are you quenching the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to do it. Maybe different than what you've seen depicted on television. It's simply saying this, Jesus. If you want to pray this this morning, you can do this right here in your seat. Jesus, I, I know I sometimes grieve your Holy Spirit. Father, I sometimes quench your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray right now that you would forgive me, you would cleanse me. I receive that cleansing, not because I'm anything special, but because your word says it. And you have to honor your word. So I pray that you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness, and I would be clean right now. And as, as you are cleaning me, Lord, I pray that you would fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, you would make that the desire of my heart each and every day. And church family, I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads right there where you are. Pray with me. We're going to do our invitation a little bit different this morning. I'm, before we have a time to receive anyone who'd want to come down, I'm just going to ask you right there where you are. This morning, if that's your desire, maybe you just prayed that with me. If that's your desire that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit today, I just want to ask you to stand and do business with the Lord right there in your seat. 
right now in this moment, you just stand and just confess that to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit today. Make that the prayer of your heart. Anybody else needs to stand and do business with the Lord, you feel free to do that. In just a minute, Joey's going to lead us in a closing song, a hymn of invitation. And this morning, is, I'll be here, I'm going to ask my friend Heath, maybe this morning there's something that you need to say. Maybe something God has shared with you or spoken to your heart. Maybe there's something that you need to feel like you need to confess. Or maybe you want to come to the front and pray or bring a friend or family member. Whatever the Lord's leading you to do in just a moment, we're going to sing together as a family. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do business in this place today. Lord, I thank you that I believe you have and you are. Lord, I believe with all my heart that you're raising up this church to be a powerful weapon for you, a powerful light in a world that is increasingly getting darker and darker. To do that, God, I know we must be filled with the Spirit on a daily basis. So I pray for these friends today who are standing or who have stood and are honest with you today. Lord, would you fill them right now? Would you fill them right now? Lord, as we sing our closing song, I pray you'd have your way during this invitation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And we're going to have our closing invitation song this morning. If you need to come down and you want to be a part of our church, maybe you've been visiting for some time, you want to make Crossroads home, we'll be here. My friend Heath is here. Maybe God's spoken to your heart and you want to share that with one of us. We're here for you this morning as we sing together. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.